From GreenBiz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from GreenBiz events. I'm Joel McCower. I really see the future of agriculture in the ag of the middle sector. Not in really big ag, not in really small ag, not in hyper-local, and not in global. Helene York works for Compass Group and serves as global director of Google's food service. She sat down with me at the Verge 16 conference to talk about how technology is changing the way we produce, consume, and even think about the food we're eating. Coming from a tech company that operates some of the world's largest corporate cafeterias, she has a lot to say about technology and food systems. Let's listen in. So just start by uh, talking about what uh, Compass Group at Google is. Compass Group is, uh, is a large company that has some other smaller companies, one of which you work for. Right? right, right. We're a contract catering company. And what we do is we operate restaurants. So we hire the chefs. Um, we set the procurement policies. Um, and we buy the food and we serve the food. So what I do for Google, which is the client that I'm assigned to, is I advise them on sustainable sourcing policies. I then try to activate it, monitor it, and try to find innovation opportunities in food. And this is global, right? Four continents, 23 countries. Yeah. I'm on an airplane a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And um, so, so you have, uh, I think, through working both in this field and for you know, sort of that, the iconic technology company, uh, a pretty good sense of what's happening with technology and sustainability in, in food systems, sustainable food systems. Um, first of all, uh, you know, I know you. I know that it's not all good or all bad in terms of. But I imagine that you come across some some of the technologies that are you know really great, and there are some that you're saying, well, not so great either. It doesn't. We, I never needed this. No one ever. This has no purpose, or it's just not doing what really needs to be done. Give us a little. You know, uh, you talk about the universe of technology, what you're seeing in the state of food systems. Sure. Well, you know, I think we have a very pastoral notion of what, where our food comes from, or we have a very narrow notion it comes from the supermarket. And in fact, the supply chains are really long. Um, most food are grown in rural areas, and then they're shipped to a warehouse, and then they're shipped to another location, and you know, so forth. There, there's just long chains that, uh, from uh, field to table. But I think of this now as, as from tech to table, because there is no part of the supply chain that doesn't use technology. Some technologies are better than others. Some are better developed. Um, some of the technologies are very um, uh, proprietary, and I think that's where we have a problem. I understand the need for proprietary technology. I understand the need um, to beta test things. Um, but there is such a call for traceability right. um, and for responsibility in supply chains um, that technology sometimes narrows who you can go to for information about products. Um, and let me give you an example. Um, there's a great need for technology in uh, cocoa growing. Chocolate, we all love it. It's in danger. Ooh. It is really in danger. Yes, I'm sorry to tell you that, but it really is. There's fungus problems, there's small farm problems, there's lack of infrastructure. Interesting. And there's also a, you know, it's not cool to be a farmer anymore. 
in um, general, around in, the world? In general, in so many different places and in parts of the world where there are other opportunities for the next generation, they're opting out. And that is a big problem in cocoa. So um, technology, um, I'll give you an example in the cocoa field, um, could really help um, with traceability, understanding through smartphones, understanding where cocoa beans are produced, how much, um, really sort of helping check up on the labor issues, which are very, very significant in that field, a lot of yeah. child labor, some indentured servitude. Um, and then also just really tracing the beans all the way to production. So help understand uh, how doing that um, uh, helps uh, both cocoa farmers but also cocoa consumers in terms of, of you know, ensuring the supply and the safety and, and uh, affordability of, of co cocoa beans. Sure, right now, well most cocoa is actually produced in co-ops. And so that's a lot of small farmers that combine their beans. And once they're combined, no traceability. And so, and, and really big black hole in terms of responsibility. So you can have very different environmental management practices on 200 farms. And once those beans are combined, you have a big question sure. mark. And so the technology, if you start with the individual farmers, you're doing a couple things. One you're bringing technology to rural small farms, which makes it cooler for the next generation, which helps preserve a need, uh, you know, an opportunity to have more cocoa. It also can compare peer to peer. If you have 200 farms, you can see the yields and who is producing what and so many hectares. And if you do that and you see that some are producing a lot less, you understand that there are pro there's probably an opportunity for training those farmers on better techniques to preserve their plants, to you know, grow other crops in addition, so you've got more biodiversity, it's healthier for the soil, it's healthier for the products, to manage pests in a responsible way, and it builds up the yields. And right now, we are just beginning to have that technology, but that could be enormous. I imagine one of the challenges is how do you get the technology to the farmers? I don't know uh, entirely where uh, cocoa is produced, but I know in West Africa is one big area, uh, and you've got hundreds of farmers, and they, what, are these smartphones or SMS technologies or scanners or, what, or sensors? Uh, what is it, and how do, does it become affordable to someone who lives you know, pretty hand-to-mouth? Uh, a couple of things. First of all, to give you a sense of scale, we're talking about millions of farmers. Um, it, just in West Africa alone. Um, and I think it, it uh, you know, simple smartphones are what's being piloted. Um, and uh, they can certainly provide a two-way conversation among the different, the NGOs partnering with the uh, companies that are buying the cocoa that are then selling it to the Nestle's and the Mars and others. Um, but uh, I mean, it's a good question about cost. Uh, the cost of, of technology has really come down right, quite a bit. To be perfectly honest, the real stumbling blocks are the governments in a number of these countries. Why? They don't necessarily want their people empowered. Mm, once they have smartphones, and yeah. how are you going to keep them down on the farm? Right, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, an interesting an issue. But let's, let's, let's take it... <clears throat> To uh, uh, well, it's not just domestic, but I think one of the one of the issues is that there are so many inputs that go into farming, so many different kinds of chemicals, fertilizers, of course, 
watering, you know, how much when and in what places. Um, and then there's the part about you know getting it to market and and tracing it, and then even you know getting the mar- get the best price and all these kinds of things. Um, but uh, on the input side, how uh, the tracking and tracing all of the chemicals, all of the uh, components, uh, GMOs, and, uh, and other things that people want or need to f- trace must be a hu- human- humongous task. Uh, and, uh, is technology up to that task? Um, well, I think if you parse out the hierarchy of questions and say, what, what are we really trying to trace for? Um, you know, the GMO legislation, for instance, um, is limited, very limited, and it might surprise people to know that only 6% of U.S. land is, is actually farmed with GMO uh, seeds. Um, but and, almost all corn and soy uh, uh, and, and sorghum yeah. and not, not very many things at all. Um, and our entire 90% of our world's uh, cheese supply actually depends on a uh, GMO rennet. Uh, we wouldn't have cheese, so, but we're not tracing that because nobody wants to not have cheese, so we're kind of forgetting about that. Um, I, I, think, I think technology has a really important role to play in tracing the most important things. And um, I know the state of California is looking into a lot of um, avenues. Um, what they have decided is that nitrogen runoff is the most important thing. And when you have really low water tables, you have more nitrates that come up in the soil. Um, and so they've decided from a public health point of view um, that that's what they want to track, uh, track. And that is something that can be tracked. Um, I, I think that there are, um, there is really an explosion of opportunities that go after one thing. And um, what we have to look at, and I think the question is, why do we want that information? And if public health, if there's a material public health reason, that's an important reason. But if we are trying to use a technology, let's say, that traces, that you have to um, use essentially a litmus test uh, to find out if each piece of fish that comes into your restaurant has a certain level of mercury, um, that's really not very feasible. And it also suggests that you're only testing for one thing on, on a piece of fish on a plate. You know, there are um, omega-3s. Um, there's all kinds of other um, uh, um, heavy testi- metals. Testing to make sure the fish is actually the fish you, you think you're buying. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. just a lot more yeah. that I think is important. So Google um, uh, has a food innovation lab. Are they working on some of these? I know you're not employed by Google, but you must see some of what's happening. What's going on there? Um, well, a lot of it actually is, uh, I've signed an NDA to unfortunately okay. not talk about some of them, but, but I would say that um, they're very big picture ideas and that, you know, feeding the world as opposed to um, preserving, you know, specialness for, uh, you know, one aspect of, of a high or a very expensive food. Um, so they're really looking into um, you know, what's going to affect a billion people. So we've talked about chocolate. That's one of them. I know um, some other areas that I've looked into um, with some Google support, so not specifically the lab, are things related to aquaculture, responsible aquaculture. Aquaculture has a really bad name and deserving from the early years, but right now has, has, has really moved tremendously through new technologies, 
offshore technologies, very, very sustainable transportation methods where you boat uh, fresh fish rather than air freight it. So it's one-tenth the carbon cost of getting from point A to B. We hear a lot about um, sort of new ways of, of growing food. Uh, there's aquaculture is one of them. Uh, indoor uh, uh, farming at scale, urban agriculture. Um, you, you mentioned to me earlier uh, the underwater farm, I think in Milford, Connecticut, um, that you're kind of excited about. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's called 3D ocean farming. And you go out on a little boat and you can't see it, but it's um, seaweed and mariculture. And um, I tasted the product of that farm, which was a seaweed, a kelp fettuccine. It was really good. Uh, I mean, it didn't taste like wheat. It, was, it looked like spinach fettuccine, um, and then thrown in with some of the mussels and clams that were actually harvested from the same place. I mean, 3D ocean farming is not only underwater, but it's multi-species. So it's, it's good biodiversity. Um, it's called multi-trophic aquaculture, fancy mm -hmm. term. Underwater, but it really allows for the filtering and the life of the farm, just like biodiversity in the soil, it's the same thing. Elaine, let's get a quick question in. Yeah, so we are getting a, a few questions specifically around big ag. Um, one was, you know, is urban farming a pragmatic adjunct to the agribusiness system, local production versus different eco environments? Um, and also, how will technology enable the disruption of big ag in the US? So, really, what do you see in terms of technology's role? Um, and also, you know, more localized production versus centralized and all that. Well, I think localized is a funny term. In different parts of the world, local means different things. And, you know, in the Bay Area, we have a tendency to think hyper-local, but that's because we're affluent. Um, in North Korea, very different situation. I don't have any experience directly in North Korea. I'm just about biggest differences. I really see the future of agriculture in the ag of the middle sector, not in really big ag, not in really small ag, not in hyper-local and not in global, but really about where do we um, find the best locations to grow some of the best food. I mean, in, in Vietnam, for instance, probably the best place to grow responsible um, um, thin fish um, as opposed to, you know, shellfish. Um, very high in nutrients, very high in protein, uh, can be grown very, very responsibly and can be transported in a very efficient way. Um, the ag of the middle farmers, and I'm talking about those with a thousand acres or 500 hectares, um, not the 20 acres and not the 10,000 or 100,000 acres, these guys are hungry for new technologies. They're using them. They're using heat maps, uh, GPS-enabled um, um, tools um, on their tablets as they are on tractors, as they're walking on, on feet. They are recording the history of their spaces um, so that they really can um, make, reduce the number of chemicals um, that they use, and some of them have reduced it by 90%, yeah. um, and just have a much more biodiversity on the land so that they don't need the chemicals. Uh, we're kind of out of time. We're going to get played off the stage by the band in a second, but I just have to, <laughs> we, we talk a lot about food and, and the 60 to 70% increase we're going to need by mid-century to feed the 3 billion more, more mouths that are going to be uh, hungry, um, and it kind of often feels doom and gloom. Just in you know, sort of 25 words or less, 
Are you optimistic or not optimistic about the ability uh, to meet those goals and, and the, particularly the role of technology in that? I am optimistic in the role of technology working with private industry as well as governments. Um, NGOs also have a role here too. I think we also have to think about behavioral science and how we ask the question, what are we trying yeah. to accomplish and how can the technology tool be a part of the solution? All right, so everybody needs to be at the table. Please join me in thanking Helene York. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Helene York talk about sustainable food procurement at Google at the Verge 16 conference. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into GreenBiz 350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. For all of us here at GreenBiz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening.